0: It's really trendy now, in films, to do prequels. If you don't know what a prequel is, it's a movie that kind of gives background, you know, kind of a background story to a previously made movie in order to give a more complete picture of the story. And We often see prequels in extremely popular sci-fi movies or superhero films. Today I want to do somewhat of a prequel with my message this morning. I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, which leads nicely into what we talked about last week about Christian freedom from verses uh, 16 and, and 17. So if you have a, have a copy of God's Word this morning, I want to encourage you to open it up to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Now it's going to be on the screen and it's also in your sermon notes as well. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 13 through 15. Peter writes under inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he says be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now here's a little context for this verse. As I mentioned last week, these verses are in a section of Scripture that discuss the relationship between believers and individuals and institutions who have temporary earthly authority in our lives, whether they're governmental, whether they're work-related, religious, or found in the context of our homes. Now, the second half of First Peter 2 encourages believers to shift their perspective regarding authorities and uh, those who are temporarily uh, in authority over their lives. Verses thirteen through fifteen talks how Christian reputations partly hinge on our treatment of earthly authorities. Now Peter wants believers to uh, communicate to the world a trust in God, but acknowledging that God will judge earthly authorities and our role as believers is to show Christ likeness. So today I'm going to walk us through 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. My goal is to use each verse to help us to understand how we are to show respect, but even when we don't agree with our human institutions and authorities. I want us to show us the role which those institutions play in our lives and how our witness increases by our respect of those institutions. So let's look at First Peter chapter 2 verses 13. And my first point I want to make uh, from this text is that being subject always uh, or allows the gospel to shine through. Again, let's read 1 Peter 2 13. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme, and that's where I'm going to cut it for right now. As I mentioned last week, First Peter was probably written under one of two emperors, either Domitian or Trajan. Both emperors absolutely hated Christianity and persecuted the early church. So it would be somewhat understandable for the first Pet- for the first century hearers of Peter's encouragement to the Gentile Christians in verses 13 through 15 to be surprising. After all, why should the ancient Christians respect or be subject to a government or an institution that sought their demise? Why should they respect a government who persecuted their families and had laws that limited their abilities to obtain houses or to buy food and to hold employment? I think one of the keys to understanding why Peter encouraged believers this way is found in verse 13, where Peter says, for the Lord's sake. The reason we are subject to rulers is to maintain a witness of Christ's likeness instead of losing our tempers and attitudes toward the authorities that we are temporarily under. Peter is encouraging the same Christ-likeness from us that we see modeled in Jesus himself. For example, at his trial, you'll recall, recall how Jesus never lost his composure. He never threatened violence, retribution, or gave any authority, whether they were civil or religious, a reason to accuse him of being anything other than who he claimed to be. And his response was perfectly consistent throughout his life and with his interactions with the Pharisees and the Sadducees to Pilate, to Herod, and to the Roman soldiers who beat him and crucified him. We might want to ask why Peter and Jesus both take this as the correct posture when relating to the authorities we have in our lives. Why are we advised to argue back when we know we're right or aggressively address those who have power over us? After all, certainly Jesus could have easily out-argued Pilate. He could have easily outmaneuvered Herod, easily. I believe it comes down to what we want to be the offense, the gospel or ourselves. The gospel on its own, is just as offensive in modern culture as it was to those in the first century. If there's something about us that is going to be offensive, it should be the gospel we proclaim and not our coarse attitudes or abrasive defiance. There are certainly times, absolutely times, when when Christian conviction draws the line and says, this far, no further. But when we adopt a defiant posture toward the authorities in our lives, while at the same time maybe failing to live up to the standards of Christ ourselves, we run the risk of becoming the offense instead of the gospel. We need to remember that being subject to, to human authorities is not the same thing as placing one's faith in them. I can work with earthly institutions and seek to bring principles of Christ's likeness to them, but they are not my Savior and they are not yours either. Christ, Christians can willingly subject themselves to authority knowing they aren't their master or redeemer. And what does this reveal? It reveals an incredible trust in our Savior by saying we are subject to human authorities, but ultimately we trust that Jesus is still on his throne in ultimate control and will judge the actions of our temporary earthly officials, whether they are governmental, whether they are civil or religious. I believe Peter writes with such passion about this especially in this section of Scripture, because he knows what it's like to lose his cool. He knows what it's like to lose his temper with the authorities and what it means to lack a trust in God's sovereignty over authorities. Remember, when Peter attempted to kill the servant of the high priest by taking a swing at him with a sword, but ended up cutting off his ear. Y'all remember that? Right in the Garden of uh, Gethsemane. When Peter saw the Roman authorities' cruelty to Jesus, he wanted to take matters into his own hands against those that were harming his Lord and do what he thought was right in his own eyes. But how did Jesus respond to Peter in that moment? He did not say to Peter, Hey, Peter, way to go. That's how you show boldness. Or that's how you show the world who my followers are. He didn't say this to Peter at all in that moment. Instead, Peter was admonished by Jesus. And Jesus said, put your sword back in its place. For all those who live by the sword will what? Die by the sword. Then Jesus did something remarkable. He healed the soldier's ear He did something remarkable in that. He showed love and care to those in that moment who were arresting him falsely. And it didn't diminish. It didn't diminish one bit Jesus' earthly or spiritual authority or power. It didn't diminish at all his ability to fulfill his mission to redeem mankind at all. So whether it's the president, whether it's your teachers at school, whether it's the police, the mayor, the governor, or your boss at work, know our ability as Christians to be subject to human authority is a tool that we have as believers for the purpose of allowing the gospel to be the offense and not us. It shows we are people who understand being subject to an institution doesn't mean placing one's faith and trust in that institution. It says that we have one master and one ruler, and he is always in control. And the second thing I want to emphasize is in the next verse, 1 Peter 2.14, earthly authorities have real but limited power. It says in 1 Peter 2.14, be subject to, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the Empress Supreme or to governors, as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Peter, in in verse 14, acknowledges the role government and authorities play in human civilization. Christians are not for the abolishment of authority or government. After all, we give ultimate allegiance to a king of kings. We recognize authority and we are subject to it. However, it doesn't mean that we don't have roles to play in molding and shaping the societies we live because, well, we live in them too. Working with earthly authority should never be a problem for believers. And making it a priority to expose those authorities to Christian values through our witness at work and at home and in society should be our aim. And know that I'm not arguing for a theocracy here, where one's religion is the law of the land, as is the case in many Muslim-majority countries. Because coerced obedience isn't really obedience anyway. What Christians should be doing in public at home and at work, is living such consistent, grace filled lives that those around us view our faith as so convincing, so compelling, that it makes all other alternatives pale in comparison. The 2,000 Baptist faith and message that kind of serves as our guide as Southern Baptists and what we believe about Scripture kind of makes this case as well when it argues in Article 15. It says that every Christian, every Christian should seek to bring industry, government, and society as a whole under the sway of Christian principles of righteousness, truth, and brotherly love. In order to promote these ends, Christians should be ready to work with all men of goodwill in any cause, always being careful to act in the spirit of love without compromising their loyalty to Christ and His truth. And this begins by respecting and being subject to the earthly Power, the temporary earthly power in respecting the role God has placed them in in order to, as the, as the Scripture says, to punish evil and reward those who do good. This can be applied very simply. How would you respond, friends, to a child in your home or a child you teach or at school? If you gave them a task, such as cleaning their room or taking out the trash or picking up their mess in the kitchen, or at their desk at school. And they looked at you with a straight face and said, I don't have to take orders from you because Jesus is my boss. In that moment, in that moment, I'm going to go out on a limb here, you don't respect that child's faith position at all, okay? Nor are you convinced of their claim to not do what you said. If we take a similar approach as the child with the authorities in our life, we too will lose our witness and our credibility and incur a correct reputation for being defiant and argumentative. If we get a bad reputation for acting like this, okay, we're not being persecuted for our faith, we're reaping the rewards for perhaps being rude. Now, imagine that same child, given the same assignment, who isn't necessarily enthused about cleaning their room or doing whatever task that you gave them, says to you, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, and does that task absolutely perfect. In fact, that child goes the extra mile and asks if there's anything else they can do. Or they take initiative and do something they weren't asked to do. Imagine your surprise, church, when you respond to this child by saying, Wow, you did such an amazing job. What's gotten into you? (laughs) And they reply, I'm always happy to help because Jesus is my king." you have two children who claim jesus to be their king which one is more compelling which one is more compelling we show obedience to temporary earthly authorities by acknowledging their real power in society in order in order to show our obedience to christ my final point i want to make this morning is that god has a purpose for our obedience and that's found in verse 15 it says this for this is the will of god that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people as i often say when we read for we can often read it as quote because what peter's what peter's logic is here for being subject to human authority is because it is the will of God. We do this because, for, it is the will of God. And if it's the will of God that we should be subject to temporary earthly authority, what purpose does God have for us as believers in this? The Holy Spirit, through Peter, clarifies why in the second part of this verse. Peter says, our submission and Christ-likeness to earthly authority has a silencing effect on those who might say ignorant and foolish things about who we are and what it is we believe. It's not difficult in 2022 to find mischaracterizations of believers or our positions, especially in an age of social media, which values likes and shares above all. It's not hard to find caricatures of believers from those willing to portray us perhaps as backwards or foolish. However, in Peter's, day, in Peter's day, these type of mischaracterizations of Christians was far more prevalent than we experience today. It was the norm rather than the exception. Christians were slandered as being cannibals, as being extremely immoral, and even atheists believe it or not. The persecution of Christians didn't always come in the form of martyrdom. Most of the time, persecution came by preventing them from holding employment or public office or the ability to buy and sell goods. This is why Peter says believers are to go above and beyond in secular environments in order to give no offense so that Jesus might be glorified. Friends, every time we go to work, every time we go to school or to Walmart or Kroger, we are engaged in the task of rewriting a false script about believers, and providing one to the outside world that is faithful to the message of Christ. We aren't called to mere subservience. Put a period on it. We are called to submit our lives completely to Jesus, who is in complete control, not only of our lives, but the lives of government officials, civil and religious authorities, and our bosses for whom one day they must give account of their lives as well. We are called to trust God's sovereign goodness that He will use the good, the bad, and the confusing to work all things, all things to the praise of His glory. And as our team comes to lead us in a song of response this morning, Could it be, could it be this morning you find yourself thinking about how you're interacting with the world around you? Could it be you realize you need to perhaps shift your thinking and how you engage with those in authority in your life? Our authorities aren't perfect. Boy, are they not. And neither are we. But one thing I know for sure is, Jesus is. He's absolutely perfect. And it's to him whom we ultimately serve. This morning, I want to ask you to give your heart and your life completely over to Christ and let him show himself faithful this morning in your life as we leave. Let's pray.